the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The airing of this program by this station is not an endorsement or recommendation by the station of the products or services discussed in the program. The station does not guarantee the results of any investments made by a listener to this program. Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicles. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. Welcome in to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. I'm Bruce Lee here with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. And for the next hour, we'll be talking about investing your money wisely, building toward a secure retirement. That is what they specialize in at Aptus. They're located in Lewis Center, just off Route 750. Very easy to get to from the 23270 interchange. And they offer you a no-obligation free consultation. Take the time to book it at aptuswealth.com, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com, or you can set it up online at 614-917-1040, 614-917-1040. And Josh, as uh, we usually do, let's hit some current events type stuff in the first half of the show. Uh, we're not too far into 2024. There seems to be a building consensus out there, a little bit of building optimism that the Fed will be cutting rates. We'll talk about that in light of the latest inflation report, but just generally... What do you see as you notice the markets and how they react over the first couple weeks of the year um, and how we came out of 2023? What do you see um, or what do you infer from the way people are reacting here in the early stages of 2024? You know, all in 2023 was a pretty good year for basically everything, with the exception of commodity prices, um, predominantly resulting from the decline at the tail end of the year of oil prices. Uh, almost everything went up. Uh, but, you know, the real, I think, tail of the tape from last year was the magnificent seven as they've been coined, which is Amazon, Meta, which is Facebook and Instagram, Tesla, Apple, Google, Microsoft and NVIDIA really led the charge with the lion's share of the overall return of the S&P 500 coming from those seven stocks. Now, as we look into the, this year, it, it seems at least that those growth stocks in the tech sector are starting to cool a little bit. And you're seeing analysts coming in with, you know, maybe the Magnificent Seven needs to replace some of the uh, the players in that seven. And we're seeing value stocks starting to kind of lead the charge. And, you know, the, there's a, a significant difference in value stocks and growth stocks. And you'll notice just in the names that I'll throw out as examples, uh, you know, Tesla and uh, Amazon and NVIDIA fall into the growth category, whereas uh, companies like Berkshire Hathaway and, you know, insurance companies uh, fall into that value category. So this could be representative of the belief that maybe we're heading into a little bit of turbulent times ahead. And a lot of analysts are looking at small caps and saying maybe they're a little bit more attractive, those smaller companies that are a little more nimble, have a little bit better 
kind of appeal because the cost that you're paying for them, and I'm not talking about the actual cost of the share, but the multiple of their earnings that you're buying them for may be a little bit more attractive. So it might be too strong for me to say that, you know, this feels a bit to me like whistling through the graveyard, but we did have a situation yesterday in the Middle East where, you know, we engaged the Houthis with a, with a, with a pretty significant military strike. And there's a lot of uncertainty around the world with Russia, Ukraine, the Middle East and all that. And, you know, I'm, I'm obviously very glad the stock market rebounded in 2023, a much better year beginning to end overall gains than we had in 2022. But, uh, the Biden administration continues to say the economy is really, really solid. I mean, we had inflation fluctuating and was very high in the summer of 2023. Um, what do you make of the rebound in the stock market in 2023? It's uh, it's not an automatic, but it's certainly what we all want. Uh, what do you think that was based upon? Optimism or were there solid you know, numbers underneath that that would uh, provide that foundation that justifies those kinds of gains in 2023? Well, it probably won't come as a shock to you that there's a myriad of reasons why the stock market may have taken off, but there's also a myriad of reasons why we have some challenges ahead. Um, some of the reasons that you could point to from last year would be corporate earnings actually were strong. People were buying a lot of stuff. Um, and, you know, last year we talked about in one of the shows that we did that finally wages caught up to the inflation that we've seen as a whole. So, you know, we have our purchasing power, arguably. Um, but you could look right at that figure and say, but at the same time, uh, credit card debt has reached an all time, has reached all time highs. So there's always this debate between sure, we're purchasing things and that's resulting in the stock market doing very well because ultimately the stock market is just a, a basket of companies. So we're, we're really trading based upon their valuations and their sales. But then subsequently, how are we affording all this stuff? And as a country, our debt is increasing every day. And it seems like at the household level, our debt is increasing any day. And I, I think, you know, you said it's kind of like whistling through the graveyard. Well, it's, it's kind of also like a roller coaster ride. On one hand, we see, well, great, the price of oil is down, but the demand for oil out of China is also down and we're having all these conflicts occurring. So is the conflicts going to drive the price of oil up? Uh, faster than the demand for oil going down is going to create. And there's always kind of these juxtapositions of what do we do? But we still have a lot ahead. We still have a lot of challenges ahead, particularly with the Fed, inflation, and interest rates. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and I'm not trying to be, and I know Josh is not trying to be a Debbie Downer either, but I mean, I, I know a lot of people, and my wife and I are, are uh, in this group, when we came in for our consultation at Aptus and became Aptus clients, you know, one of the things that you do is you gauge people's uh, willingness to accept volatility. And some of that is based upon where they are in the continuum toward retirement. And some of it is just kind of a personal, you know, uh, stomach for it. And, uh, the, we have a lot of things going on, as I said, in the world, but, but people are also, I think, inherently optimistic. I heard today, uh, Columbus Business First was saying that Columbus is facing, the Central Ohio region is facing, a first ever problem in that we've got a lot of industry and a lot of tech relocating here. And now a concern for people is becoming, it's great, good job there in Columbus. Think I'd like to move there from across the country. Oh, wait, can I afford a house there? And I noticed that mortgage rates have gone down. They just barely nosed over 8%. Now they're back down, you know, six-ish or so. That seems high to those of us who were fortunate to lock in at two to 3%. But you know, I wonder if people are getting a new normal in a various, in a bunch of different ways. 
a new normal as to what they'll accept from for a home mortgage rate, a new normal as to what they'll accept for a, a, a carryover credit card balance, those kinds of things. Well, I think just inherently, we have very short sight pictures of our lives. Uh, we tend to think in tranches. And, you know, when, when rates were 3%, the idea of paying 8% for a mortgage just sounded like lunacy. Um, when we were buying houses 10 years ago, the prices that we're looking at today sounded like lunacy. But the reality is, uh, if you look at historical averages of mortgage rates, where we're at today at 6% is about the historical norm over the last 40 or 50 years. So we're really not that far away. I think the overwhelming concern that people have is while we're still continuing to have all these challenges, and like you said, people trying to move into Columbus, Across the country, there's an index that tracks the cost of shelter, if you will. So whether you're renting or buying. And in December alone, that was up a half a percent. So as we look at these inflationary numbers, which affect all of us, uh, inflation is gauged based upon everything that your life encompasses. So if oil, the price of gas goes down, but the price of your electricity goes up, they could offset and we could say there's no inflation. Well, if you walk to work, but you live in a place that's heated and cooled by electricity, obviously that has a bigger impact on you. And similarly with this, now add on the potential demand of, you know, the Intel plant that's going in uh, here just outside of Columbus. I've heard things like we won't even talk about Columbus anymore in 20 years. We'll just call it Central Ohio because everything will spread out so far. When you increase that demand in an already, I don't want to call it fragile, but an already high demand real estate market, we could have a pocket of the country where it's very, very difficult to purchase a home at a reasonable cost. And then that demand subsequently raises prices. Well, when it raises prices, I'm sure you, as I am well aware, if you've received your letter from the county auditor uh, so far this year, that your taxes on real estate have gone up quite dramatically. I've seen uh, the highest one I've seen so far is somebody uh, got a real estate adjustment that raised their real estate taxes by 48%. Wow. I mean, that's that's a, a really tough pill to swallow. Now, like you said, Bruce, I don't want to be Debbie Downer here, so we'll come up with some lo- solutions, but I don't think there's a shortage of challenges and problems. No, there aren't, and that underscores the importance of planning and having what they call at Aptus the retirement blueprint. Uh, my wife and I gained great peace of mind by going into Aptus, and A, number one, not having the responsibility of managing our own or envisioning the best investments for our retirement savings because I mean, frankly that's just not our expertise and you know if you guys are like i am your life gets busy uh josh this is his specialty this is what his firm does this is uh certainly what they do uh is uh, something that i think is the best way to approach it from a fiduciary responsibility which means that they are legally obligated to do what is best for you? Come in, have your questions answered, get to know them, let them get to know you. The consultation is free. There's no obligation at all. Set it up online at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. Or you can also call the office and make your appointment, 614-917-1040, 614-917-1040. You referred to that housing index that went up. It's uh, contained within, of course, the numbers that came out from... Uh, the inflation report this week, uh, the consumer price inflation on a 12-month basis, uh, uh-oh, went up 3.4% in December from 3.1% in November. So while everybody was trumpeting that inflation's coming down, it went up incrementally 
in December, but they also have another index where they take out food and energy, uh, which, I mean, most people, I think, need food and energy, but they take it out. And if they take that out, the cost, uh, the pace of price increases fell from uh, 4% down to 3.9%. There's a bunch of different indexes built into that, but I took note of a quote from the Cleveland Federal Reserve president. Her name is Loretta Mester. I think everybody anticipates the Fed's going to cut rates, and that's where some of the optimism comes from. Here's the quote. She said, the December CPI report just shows there is more work to do and that work is going to take restrictive monetary policy. I think we need to see more evidence before reducing interest rates. It's too early in my estimation. Now, there are, what, 12 Federal Reserve presidents, and they might all have different opinions, but... uh you know, uh, to each his own on that, I guess. But that goes back to what we were saying earlier about we don't really have a clear direction where we're headed. Yeah, you know, the Fed came out and said rates will remain high for some time, quote unquote, hmm. which what does some time mean? But the kind of spirit of the comment was all of these things you're hearing in the news about Fed's undoubted, the, the rates undoubtedly going down uh, sometime this year. Don't count your chickens just yet, but if you look at the consensus among, amongst institutional traders, and these are the folks that are managing billions and billions and billions of dollars, the general consensus is that the Fed will, in fact, cut rates sometime after the first quarter. So there's still this overwhelming belief. But then, you know, again, there's always a mixed bag amongst all this information. If you look at the yield curve, which we've talked about for quite some time, it's still inverted, which means that short-term interest rates, if you go get a money market or you get a short-term CD for three or six months, or you put your money in a savings account, you can earn more doing that than you can going and buying a two or three-year CD or even a long-term bond. And the reason for that is because that level of uncertainty. Banks are unwilling to tell you definitively, we will give you an amount of money for a long period of time because we have no idea if we're going to be able to earn that rate of return for a long period of time. So I think you know that in and of itself just really points towards the uncertainty of where we are. And there's challenges there, Bruce. If I'm retiring and I say, well, you know, I, I don't want to have all my money in the market, obviously. I want to put my money in some safe and secured stuff because I believe that market volatility could be a problem over the next few years, which would be a reasonable assumption. And I need to draw income from it. What do I do? Because if I put my money in a money market account with the other $6 trillion that's in money market accounts, I'm earning over 5% today. So I can do everything I need to do off of that 5%. But the problem could be in six or seven months, well, now I'm not earning 5%, I'm earning two. I mean, remember just a year ago, money markets were at less than one and now they're at over five. The same thing could happen in the opposite direction. I don't think it'll be that quick, but it could so the big challenge amongst retirees is how do I get guaranteed money over a reasonable period of time with some level of certainty? And you can, you just can't necessarily look at conventional ways to do it. Yeah, and that was what really stuck out at me and Sherry when we came in and sat with you is that there are just so many, and we've talked about it on the show here, uh, there are just so many different investment options. And you guys are dialed in on all this stuff and taking uh, stock of things as they happen and looking at trends and certainly have a historical knowledge of where things have gone before. And uh, I wonder how many clients come into your office and have um, a keen awareness of all the different investment vehicles. And then there are like different gradations on those vehicles. Like, 
you know, you can be in the stock market, but you can be in the stock market to a point where you get certain uh, protection against some of the downs of the market without taking the maximum gains of the market, but still getting a nice gain. I mean, it, there really are uh, many, many vehicles built in here where people can do what they ideally want to do, which is be invested, get a really good rate of return so they're not being outpaced by prices increasing and inflation, but also protecting themselves. Yeah, I think in general, we're all on different levels of education, of course. Um, but I think in general, most of us know that there's cash in the bank and we probably know what a savings account or maybe even a money market is and probably know what a CD is. And we probably know what the stock market is and have a pretty reasonable handle on what a mutual fund is. But beyond that, I think by and large, the average uh, investor really doesn't know much beyond that. And if you're listening and say, oh, I know what a bond is and I would, I know what this is. Well, well, sure. That's great. But there are these shades of gray and I would say hybrid, uh, solutions that kind of fill the space more than you think. And I think that the, the biggest challenge for most is that what we typically do, and we do this in a lot of areas of our life, we will come up with a solution to our problem based upon only the information that we have, and then justify the solution so that we feel like we've done all we can. For example, I'm terrified of the stock market. I've heard this before. I'm terrified of the stock market. I hate bonds. So my only option is cash, and I'm earning 5%. Well, if the market has only averaged 9% over the last 20 years, and there's many years that it's negative 30, I'm good earning 5 So why would I do anything different than that? Okay, that's a reasonable explanation, and a lot of people listening right now would probably say, well, what's wrong with that? But there's some challenges associated with that as well. And the only reason you're picking that as your sole solution is because you don't know any other solutions. Um, so just know that there's a myriad of options out there that you may not be aware of. And these are not, you know, I want to caution people when I say this. These are not, I'm not going to tell you to do an oil and gas partnership. And I have a, a good friend named Bob who knows how to find the oil, right? And he's going to, uh, you give him his mo your money and you're going to, it's a can't lose proposition. I'm not talking about those types of things. I'm talking about there are uh, banks that have different instruments that you're probably not even aware of many of which are still FDIC insured. There are insurance companies that offer many hedging strategies. And by hedging, I mean, you kind of bookend your loss ratio. So if the market does well, I win. If the market doesn't do well, well I can limit how much I, I lose all the way up to losing nothing. There's a bunch of different products, maybe even within the institutions you're already aware of, that you're just simply unaware of. Uh, so it's important to at least get an education lesson on them. Yeah, no doubt about it. And trust me on this, uh, they know exactly uh, what all those options are at Aptus. And this is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. It'll air again tomorrow at noon. So tell your friends about it. Catch the replay. Friday night at 7 is the time that it airs first on the week. You can contact Aptus for your no-obligation free consultation, 614-917-1040, 614-917-1040. You can also make your appointment online at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, AptusWealth.com. If you're outside the area, yes, you can still become a client. You can do things uh, remotely. But if possible, they would like to have you uh, in their office to get to meet you, uh, look across the table at you, and get a better sense of who you are and uh, where you are as you proceed down that continuum toward, hopefully, financial independence later on in life. And the problem with uh, the problem that I wanted to avoid saving for my own retirement was those kinds of... Uh, 
kind of self-justifying statements like, well, I'm making 5% and the market goes down 30% at times, so I should be okay. Uh, that misses out on the power of compounding. Like that 5%, you have that like in year two, three, four, five, but the 30% takes a chunk out of that if you are in the market. So there are a lot of things that mathematically might seem like they make sense, but whoops, you know, uh, you can get caught unawares if you're not really, really dialed in on it. And trust me, I know the people at Aptis are. So Josh, let's talk a little bit about what are the things that you're looking at here as we head into 2024 and a presidential election year. Does that really factor into any kind of the decisions that you guys make or any kind of the factors that you are assessing? Well, I wouldn't say that it necessarily equates into the decisions that we're making today, but ultimately who ends up getting elected does kind of direct a little bit where the market's going to end up going. And I don't mean the market as a whole, but let's think about uh, since Biden's been in office, the changes that have occurred in infrastructure and green energy, for example. He has uh, spent a tremendous amount of money there. So that should, unless you're living under a rock, somewhat direct where you invest your dollars. And we've seen that. Um, his policies have had a dramatic effect on healthcare, uh, on companies like Caterpillar uh, through infrastructure, and then obviously, you know, companies like Tesla. Uh, but, you know, one thing that we cannot ignore uh, that doesn't necessarily change our investment philosophy is the volatility and ebbs and flows that occur in almost every election year. Uh, the one thing you can almost set your watch to is when the election occurs, it will be polarizing these days. It's not the elections where we were listening to Reagan talk and everybody was, you know, very kind and jovial and actually laughed at each other's jokes. Uh, rewind back to, you know, the Biden Trump debates. It's a little bit different debate than back then. Yes. Anytime you see one of these debates, does it have an effect on the media? Of course. And I think we would all be naive to think that the media doesn't have an effect on our decisions, which in turn has an effect on the market. So, you know, typically what we've seen over the last, you know, decade or so is that election years uh, pretty much equate to volatile, not necessarily negative, but volatile years in the stock market. So you better be prepared emotionally for that uh, and know how to hold your ground. Or, you know, you just mentioned 555 negative 30. Um, the real issue and where people really get hurt in the stock market is making rash decisions at the wrong time. Hey, this is kind of an off-the-wall question, but uh, we've had some numbers disclosed here in the last week or so about the stock gains made by people in Congress. And there's a lot of debate about whether uh, people in the House of Representatives and in the Senate should uh, you know, be restricted in what they can trade or all those kinds of things. When you look at those gains that you see, uh, do those gains seem seem plausible to you? I'm not trying to, you know, bait, bait you into conspiracy theory here, but just kind of as someone who is a specialist in these kinds of matters, what crosses your mind when you see those kinds of rates of return? Well, I think we would have to be realistic. I don't think this is conspiracy theory, and you're certainly not backing me into a corner. I'm happy to talk about this. Unless by chance somebody got elected to Congress and then simultaneously became the single best trader in the history of the world, uh, I would say there's some tomfoolery occurring uh, in the in the people sitting in those seats. I mean, if you look at the 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 trade records of you know um, some of the the spouses, for example, and you know specifically who I'm yeah. talking about. Sure. Uh, I mean, unless all of a sudden their uh, spouse got elected into Congress, and then all of a sudden they had a they developed some skill 
better than any other trader alive, including Warren Buffett, uh, then I think clearly there's some tomfoolery going there. And I think it's unfortunate and I think it should be restricted. Uh, it is restricted at the presidential level. I don't know why it's not restricted at the congressional level. Yeah, well, you're certainly right in that our politics are much more partisan these days. And as we move into an election year, we'll have a lot of conversation about the economy. The economy is, you know, either top factor or the second uh, to the top factor in how people vote, because for a long, long time, it has been uh, an effective political strategy to say to voters, are you better off now than you were four years ago? You can be better off now than you were uh, four years ago. In my opinion, if you entrust your retirement investing to the people at Aptus, my wife and I are very happy with the returns that we have received. Of course, there's no guarantees with anything, but I know this, Josh uh, is very, very smart in what he does, and they do uh, very, very deep analysis and assessments of the markets. And so sit for that free consultation and see where you are after you have that conversation. You can set it up 614-917-1040. You can also make your appointment online at aptuswealth.com, A-P-T-U-S aptuswealth.com. Where are people in their approach to retirement? Are people, say, in their 30s and 40s on track and uh, required minimum distributions? If you're a retiree, should you take the minimum amount? Should you take more? We'll discuss that and more topics as the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show continues. Thanks for joining us on the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. I'm Bruce Hooley here with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. And for the next half hour, we'll be talking about how you can maximize your investing, building toward a secure financial future, financial independence in retirement. It's a little different now than it used to be. Don't have those long pensions and 40 years service at one company. Myself, many of others have moved around to different jobs and certainly you have pockets of money here and there. Aptus is uh, someone that I entrust with our retirement savings for my family. And you can sit for a free consultation with them, no obligation at all, by calling their office, 614-917-1040, 614-917-1040. They're located in Lewis Center, just off Route 750, not far from 23 and 270. You can also make your appointment online at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. And Josh, you uh, have the ability to and the foresight to have a lot of different investment vehicles for people. But over time, it's pretty inarguable that the best place for people to be over a 20, 30-year period is the U.S. stock market. And I'm curious, uh, are there numbers out there about where we are in the United States of America now? Has it certainly become over the last 20 years easier for the average everyday Joe to own stocks with, uh, you know, Charles Schwab and different online investing and things like that? Uh, where are we in terms of our uh, investment in the stock market as people move toward retirement age? Yeah, we've kind of been forced in that direction, too. I mean, there was a, a time not long ago when we had defined benefit plans, i.e. the pension. Those have gone by the wayside. So now everybody has 401ks for the most part, which those 401ks large in part enable you to invest in the stock market through mutual funds, ETFs, et cetera, or through your company plan. So, you know, we could conclude then that the lion's share of people should own some stocks to some capacity if they want to have a viable chance at retirement beyond just trying to live off of Social Security. But the statistics really don't necessarily point in that direction. With less than 60% of U.S. households, somewhere around 58% of U.S. households, owning stocks to some capacity, which still you would think, well, okay, 60%, that's almost two-thirds. That's not terrible. But there's some more statistics that go along with that, and that is that 93% of 
of all the U.S. stocks owned are owned by the top 10% of wealth in the United States. Mm. And the bottom 50% of wealth in the United States, or the bottom 50% of people, if you want to say it that way, mm. only own 1% of the stocks. So you have 93% owned, or 93% of them owned by the top 10%, another six owned by the 40 to top 10, and then the bottom 50 only owning 1%. So that kind of points to a pretty big challenge that we're going to be facing in the future. So do you think that's born out of people being unaware uh, how they can invest in the stock market, like through their 401k, through, you know, those kinds of vehicles or uh, you know how would you what do you make of that and that's to me a very surprising statistics that 93% of the stocks are owned by the top 10% i mean uh it could be what people just aren't prioritizing retirement because typically now if you get a 401k option at your work uh they're going to put you in a you know a, a group of vanguard or fidelity or somebody like that and you're going to have the opportunity to have stock in your portfolio yeah i think it would be easy to conclude that well, you know, the bottom 50% aren't making enough money to invest in the stock market. But statistically, that doesn't really prove to be accurate. As a matter of fact, uh, what we find through statistics is that even if a company offers a match, meaning if you put in 3% of your money, we will match you 3% of your money, meaning we'll give you a guaranteed 100% rate of return day one, that doesn't seem to increase participation in the 401k. So is it because of the amount of money that we make? Is it because of the lifestyle choices that we choose? Or is it because we're not prioritizing? Is it because we don't have enough discipline? Is it because of a lack of education? I mean, I would certainly be, uh, you know, this is all conjecture. I, I have no idea what the answer is. But what isn't conjecture is that if you don't put yourself in a position of savings, particularly early, you're going to put your future in a much more difficult position. So you know, I think we tend to think on uh, kind of opposite ends of the spectrum. Well, if I don't save anything, then I'm in really dire straits when I retire. Um, or, well, you know, I'm not making enough money now, so I'll start investing later to get there. Well, we've talked a, a million times about the power of compounding. Yeah. And ultimately, if you don't save anything today, 10 years from now, you're going to have to save at least twice as much to end up in the same spot. So I think we we can't say anything other than, Regardless of the reason, a large chunk of the population is not prioritizing their future, and that's a big problem. It is a big problem, and uh, you can take care of that by sitting with Josh and having him show you uh, how your decisions now have a dramatic impact on you later on as part of the free consultation that you can get at Aptus Wealth Management. They're located in Lewis Center, just off Route 750. 614-917-1040 is their office number, 614 614- 917-1040. Call their office, make your appointment, go in, get to know Josh, get to know his team, let them get to know you. You can make your appointment online at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. I really think uh, you hit on something there with, you you listed in your explanation, uh, two factors that I think are, are, are really the same factor. Number one, lifestyle choices, and then not prioritizing retirement. I think we've become so consumerism focused in America, bigger house, bigger car, newer car, uh, closet full of clothes, those kinds of things that we think we don't have the money. We think we don't make enough money, but what we're not do- doing is we're not realizing how we're penalizing ourselves long-term by not making, I don't even consider them sacrifices, but a lot of people would consider them sacrifices in the short term. 
Well, think of how many times you've heard somebody say, I I went to a car lot to look. I wasn't planning on buying a car <laughs> and I came home with a car. I mean, I have a friend. It's hilarious. I always, I always tell him never go out to lunch because he'll go out to lunch and come up with a new car. Mm. And how few of those people are paying cash for the car? Very, very, very few, some very small percentage. So how quickly we are willing to jump into a payment with the average car payment in the United States being north of $900 today, we'll jump into a $900 payment that we're committed to for the next five, six, seven years, but we will hesitate to save $50 a month because we don't know if we can afford it. So you can afford $950 for a car payment with very little thought, but there's no way you can afford to save any money. I think what you what you said is spot on, and that is what we prioritize. We're prioritizing the shiny new thing, the keeping up with the Joneses, rather than financial security, and then we rationalize it. And I'm sure you know we all. You have children. I have children. Yep. We've we've heard this rationalization amongst them and amongst ourselves, and that well, I mean, let me tell you why this car was a good deal. Let me tell you why it made sense for me to buy it. But how often have you told somebody, have you heard somebody try and rationalize the reason why they increase their savings from $300 to $400 a month? And usually the justification for not doing that is, well, you know, at the rate I'm at right now, I'm not going to be able to retire until I'm 100 anyway, so why worry? Or insert some logical, you know, illogical answer. Um, but the reality is many of us don't have the choice as to whether or not we're going to retire. Actually, statistically, there's a larger percentage chance that we'll be forced into retirement from a, a reason that we did not predict, whether it's our own health, taking care of someone else's health, being uh, let go from a job, downsized, economic conditions, et cetera. And you're not going to have the choice. So if you care about having control at any semblance over your financial life, you better start prioritizing saving, investing, and coming up with a plan as soon as possible. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I had a, uh, someone very close to me this week, age 33, uh, had a stroke. Now, fortunately, it's not, the consequences are not dire, but I know that that was a a big, like, wow moment in terms of, hey, you know, what we had planned, uh, certainly not what we got here in the short term. And unfortunately, I'm looking at some numbers here that talk about the millennial generation, which that's people born from 1981 to 1996. So we're talking about people who are age eh, 28 to 43-ish. And uh, a, a study by Edward Jones, a financial uh, investment company, says that uh, they view millennials as the most susceptible to financial difficulties later on in life because they've been, you know, they kind of started working about 2008 in the Great Recession. They got hit with the COVID pandemic. And the numbers are staggering to me that uh, two-thirds of working millennials, two-thirds, people aged 28 to 43, have no retirement savings. Two-thirds, 66% of millennials ages 28 to 43 have no retirement savings. Now, you get a cross-section of people coming into your office, Josh. Do you find that dovetails, that number dovetails with the ages of people that come in and have prioritized their retirement enough to come in? And become clients, or at least have a conversation with you in the the, the no obligation consultation. Well, you know, if I look across uh, a cross section statistically of of our clients, I, I wouldn't say that that is representative. But 
it would be reasonable to assume that the people who are in that age category that are coming to see us are proactive, are disciplined, sure. and that's why they're there. Um, so, you know, I can tell you that there are millennials in that age category that are doing a tremendous job of saving, but I think the disparity is growing. I think that's the problem. I think if we look at uh, if we looked at baby boomers and we said, what's the disparity of wealth there? We would find even a greater disparity of wealth amongst that 28 to 43 year old. And again, I'm, I'm guessing here, but just from what I've seen and what's concerning about that is remember those years between 28 and 43. Think of how good of a head start you're getting and how much compounding you're going to get off of that. And if you lag, if they're 43 now and they haven't started and they have the same conversation with their 53, they are way, way, way behind the eight ball. They better get started as soon as possible. So, you know, I think this is just kind of a window into what the current um, kind of psyche of the U.S. economy is. It's, you know, prioritize 50 years from now, 40 years from now. Uh, deal with, and, and you know, the government isn't a very good example of this either. Deal with Social Security that's going to run aground in 2032 and 2032. Let's worry about the U.S. debt when it runs aground. Let's not worry about the fact that we're deficit spending. And I think we're seeing that in our own households. Yeah. And I think to me, this is even more dire in the fact you just mentioned Social Security. Like I'm old enough, I can count on Social Security not going away. Uh, age 28 to 43, I'm not so sure you have that guarantee there. And, uh, this is interesting. They say only 5% of working millennials are saving adequately for retirement. But here's an encouraging number. 66% of millennials, so the same percentage that have no savings at all, 66% prefer in-person interactions with financial advisors. So I would highly recommend if you're in that age group, hey, you can have that face-to-face -face interaction with Josh and the Aptus team. 614-917-1040, 614-917-1040 to set it up or Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. Take me through the conversation with somebody who uh, might heed this advice and say, okay, got to get started. Come in, have that conversation with you. Yeah, I mean, step one, uh, we're going to talk about what are your goals? And you'd say, well, I'm not sure what my goals are. Well, then we're going to start addressing what some of the goals should be. And those goals start with, well, I want to make sure that I get myself out of a debt position, or I want to make sure that I establish an emergency fund sufficient enough to make me as bulletproof as possible should myself or my wife lose their job. Um, and then that kind of climbs from there all the way up into including retirement, estate planning, estate preservation, eliminating taxes, mitigating the issues of long-term care, et cetera, through that kind of planning process. And in meeting number two, we're going to analyze where you are today and kind of show you Along that continuum, where are the shortfalls? And then in meeting number three, we'll give you the actual blueprint. So this is a working document. It's called a blueprint on purpose because these are not, well, you know, conceptually, this would probably work. These are very definitive. If we do this, then it will, in fact, work. Um, and then not until meeting number four. So if you're waiting for that, you know, big shoot a drop or the bait and switch, it just never happens. <laughs> in meeting number four. Uh, we'll decide, is this mutually beneficial for the both of us? Are you a good client for us? And uh, are we the right fit for you? And the decision's ultimately yours, and you can probably speak to that. Uh, there's there's really no hard selling here. As a matter of fact, I would say there's no selling. Uh, the choice is yours. The only thing I can guarantee you through the process is you'll learn a lot. Yeah, I can guarantee there's no selling. I mean, I've told this story before. I'll tell it again. I knew Josh for more than two years, and I finally had to say to him, you know, um, 
are we ever going to have a conversation about whether or not I should become a client? I mean, there's just, there's no pressure at all. And he's very successful at what he does. He's got plenty of clients, but uh, certainly he's not uh, against having more. And uh, I highly recommend him and uh, his knowledge and expertise. And, you know, I was thinking like one of the things about millennials, like maybe they're 28 to 43, they're having children. It is, I think, even beneficial, Josh, if they might not think of like a 529 plan saving for college as savings. But from my perspective, as it relates to retirement, at least it ingrains the discipline of, hey, we're not spending every dollar we get. We're taking a posture where we understand that we have to put something aside from what we're bringing in in order to prepare for something down the road. That can be a helpful attitude for people to learn to adopt. Yeah, getting into the discipline and the habit of savings is, is very critical. And I, I always recommend people, if you're fresh out of college and you're going, how in the world am I going to save anything? I'm barely affording my rent. If you just get in the habit of saving automatically $10 a pay, $10 a month, $25, yep. we're not talking about crazy dollars here. You would be shocked at how quickly that money can add up. And I don't want anybody to fall into the trap that if I earmark this money for X, it is lost forever. Let's think about this. Let's take the worst example ever. If you put all your money into a 401k and your 401k had a match, Technically, you cannot get access to those dollars until 59 and a half or if you're retired, 55. But let's just say until you're about 60 years old. So you say I'm 22 years old today. What if an emergency happens? What if, you know, people always use dramatic, you know, what if my legs get chopped off and I need the money? All right. Well, okay. So you're going to pay a 10% penalty on the $100,000 you've acquired or have nothing. I think this is pretty kind of a, a silly argument. The discipline of savings is very, very important. Yeah, no doubt. And you can uh, certainly get uh, deeper into that and gain a greater understanding of that by setting up your free consultation with Josh and the Aptus team. Call their office, 614-917-1040, 614-917-1040. Their online address to make your appointment that way is Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. So here's a perception that I have that is confirmed by the story that I saw that I'm, I talked about people in the millennial generation and younger, like their concept of bigger house, bigger car, newer this, newer that. As I perceive people a little older than I am as they get to retirement, uh, I perceive people in retirement who are now drawing on their retirement investments being uh, as conservative as they can be. So I want to share with you a J.P. Morgan Chase study of 31,000 people as they approached retirement or entered retirement between 2013 and 2018. It says here in the study that the vast majority, 84% of retirees who had reached that age where they have to take a certain amount out of their retirement, those required minimum distributions that you talk about a lot, 80% of them had not reached RMD age and had yet to take anything out of their retirement. So my perception is the people who are older, who are already there where we're all striving to get, because that maybe, and what I view as generational differences, is that even when they get to retirement, they're hesitant to like take out what maybe they could take out because this story goes on to say that a lot of people wait so long to take their requirement minimum distributions or take only their required minimum distributions that they end up leaving a big chunk of money in their retirement accounts when they die. Yeah, and... and you know, we could, again, this is all conjecture. We're guessing on why they're doing that, but let's kind of address why that might not be the best choice. 
if if you have plenty of other money, so let's use a the perfect example, the the, the ideal situation. I have a million dollars in my IRAs. Um, I'm 70 years old. I don't have to take minimum required distributions till I'm 73. I'm retired. I'm living off of Social Security and other assets or other investments, and I'm doing just fine. So I'm not going to take out money from my IRA because I don't want to pay taxes on money that I don't even need. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is at some future date, you are going to be forced to take money out of your IRA. And at that point, you don't have any control over how much in taxes you're going to pay or what even the tax rate is. Whereas if you did some calculating, it could make sense to take some distributions today, convert those into a Roth IRA, and forever exonerate the challenges of taxes in the future, not only for yourself, but for your kids. So let's take it a step further. Well, why would I want to do that? You know, I'd I heard of the funniest uh, thing today and I got to give credit where credit's due. I heard it on a, on a Dave Ramsey little snippet on Instagram and it, and, and a guy said, well, I want to figure out a way to spend my money because I don't want my kids to end up growing up to be waiters. And he said, waiters. He said, yeah, waiting for me to die, <laughs> which I thought <laughs> was pretty clever. All right. So we don't, if you, you don't want your kids to be waiters, you want, you want to, uh, your, your goal is not to leave a, a giant nest egg to your kids. It's about preserving what you worked so hard for. So by doing these Roth conversions, it allows us to do two things. One, minimize the amount of taxes that we will pay over our lifetime. I would rather pay 12% today than 22 tomorrow. Number two, we could be able to mitigate how much in taxes we end up paying on other assets. For example, your social security is taxed upon your outside income. So there may be some advantages there. There might not be. But then in the long run, when you do leave it to your kids, they're going to be forced to take the money out over 10 years from a traditional IRA vis-a-vis the SECURE Act, which was just passed not too long ago. Well, what is their tax rate going to be? You could see this money that you saved and you were disciplined and you worked so hard for just getting bled away by the impact of taxes. But let's add in a third thing. So about you know 50-50 shot that everyone that's listening to this is going to need some sort of long-term care before they pass. And when we go there, we all have the same plan currently. And that plan is use all my money till I go broke. And then Medicaid picks up the tab. Now there's a bunch of ways to skin that cat and figure out a way to make it uh, a little bit more financially beneficial to you. And one of those ways is through trust work. In other words, making yourself quote unquote, look broke on paper because you've given your money away to trust so that Medicaid starts picking up the tab earlier. The problem with that is you cannot transfer IRA dollars into a trust. And I have yet to meet anybody who wants to liquidate a million dollar IRA, pay hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes on the off chance that they may end up needing to go into a long-term care facility because it's a coin flip. But if you had your money in a Roth, that money is now mobile, which means I can move it to a trust anytime I want which means should you ever decide to do that, rather than paying 22 or 28 or 37% in taxes, you've determined, predetermined how much money you're willing to pay in taxes because you controlled it. So don't just kind of hold off until you have to. Plan so that you're in control. Yeah, and that is an undervalued aspect of the the benefit of being an Aptus client is that Josh is... Uh, a guy who just continually amazes me with his knowledge and expertise when it comes to 
strategically, legally minimizing your tax burden. Uh, this is what you get when you get a fiduciary, somebody who's legally obligated to do what's best for you. That's what they are at Aptus. Set up your consultation, 614-917-1040, 614-917-1040. Make your appointment online, Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. I think I know the answer to this, but just because people may be listening who don't understand, you said, you know, you don't have a problem with required minimum distributions when you have a Roth IRA. Just in 30 seconds or so, just explain why Roth IRAs are different from like an SEP or a 401k or a 457 or a 403b. Yeah, ultimately, a Roth is the only line in the tax code that allows you to put money in. Now, granted, it's after tax. You've already paid taxes on these dollars. But every nickel you will ever earn in the way of interest, regardless of what you invested in, whether it's a money market or the most aggressive stock you can find, will forever be tax-free as long as you hold that money in that account for five years. And that is true for not only you, but the people that will ultimately inherit it from you uh, when you pass. So it is the single best line in the tax code for tax-free gains amongst investments. Yeah, and that's something you can talk about with Josh, whether you're eligible for a Roth or not, and whether you can convert to a Roth, should convert to a Roth, all those kinds of things. Uh, no topics off the table when you sit for your free, no obligation consultation with Josh and the Aptus team. Again, they're located in Lewis Center, very easy to get to, not far from 23 and 270, right there at Route 750. 614-917-1040 is their number, 614-917-1040. Josh, thanks for your time. We'll talk to you again next week. You as well. Sounds great. Thanks, Bruce. The airing of this program by this station is not an endorsement or recommendation by the station of the products or services discussed in the program. The station does not guarantee the results of any investments made by a listener to this program. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.